Andrew, can you tell us what exactly happened last night, please? Sure, thanks, Robert. So last night, the European Council decided to extend the Article 50 period to last, and I quote, as long as is necessary, and in any event, no longer than the 31st of October 2019. This has been billed, including by Theresa May, as a flexible extension in that the UK can withdraw at any earlier date if it ratifies the withdrawal agreement beforehand. However, as the decision of the European Council itself notes, this is purely a function of Article 50, which provides that the treaties cease to apply to the withdrawing state from the date of entry into force of the withdrawal agreement or failing that two years after the notification unless the European Council unanimously decides to extend this period. Therefore, according to last night's decision, the UK will now leave the EU on the first day of the month following the completion of the ratification procedures of the withdrawal agreement or the 1st of November 2019, whichever is earlier. For such time, the UK remains a full member of the EU. If the UK is still a member on the 23rd of May 2019 and has not yet ratified the withdrawal agreement, the UK must hold European parliamentary elections. If it does not, the extension of Article 50 ceases to apply on the 31st of May, meaning that the UK would leave with no deal on the 1st of June 2019. The decision states that the extension excludes any reopening of the withdrawal agreement during the extended period and that the, extended, <coughs> sorry, and that the extension cannot be used to start negotiations on the future relationship. Uh, the decision also states that the European Council will review progress at its meeting in June 2019. Okay, thanks, Andrew. So you've talked about the possibility of no deal. I mean, we've consistently heard from the House of Commons um, that it is against no deal. The Prime Minister kept it on the table, but more recently seems to have ruled it out as, as one of her preferred options. Um, so let me put the question to you. Is, is no deal now off the table for good? I think the short answer is that all three possible outcomes of Brexit remain live. None of them have been taken off the table. So those are the UK leaving with a deal, the UK leaving without a deal, or, of course, the UK revoking Article 50 and staying in the EU. I think the interesting question is what yesterday's development means for the potential likelihood and timing of any particular outcome. So to take no deal first, a no deal Brexit on Friday has been narrowly avoided again, but it cannot be ruled out at some future point unless the UK decides to stay in the EU. That is because that's because of the nature of Article 50 and the decision by the EU, they say, as required by EU law, not to negotiate the UK's future relationship until the UK becomes a third country. The next possible date for a no-deal Brexit, as I said earlier, is, is the 1st of June, but only if the UK fails to hold European elections, which the UK has already committed to holding. So that means, in all likelihood, there is a minimum risk, a minimal risk, of a no-deal Brexit before the 1st of November 2019. Next, just to take Theresa May's deal, whether in its current or slightly amended form, the first thing to note is that the EU and the UK government still maintain that the withdrawal agreement, the legally binding part of Theresa May's deal, cannot be reopened during the, during the extension. Therefore, this aspect of Theresa May's deal remains the only one on the table. This is in contrast to the political declaration, which both sides now accept may need to be changed in order to get Theresa May's deal over the line. It is this aspect of the deal 
that the government is negotiating with Labour, with reports suggesting that this negotiation could move towards a commitment by the UK to, to negotiate some sort of customs union type arrangement with the EU in the next phase of negotiations. So politics aside, clearly an extension means that Theresa May now has more time to negotiate with the Labour Party and attempt to get a majority in Parliament to ratify a deal before the European elections, or failing that before the 31st of October 2019. And conceivably, she could continue to pursue her version of the deal right up until the end of the latest extension. Okay, thank you. But presumably that means that the UK and the EU could keep delaying indefinitely. I just wonder whether we could find ourselves back in this position again in October. So conceivably, yes, there, there could be further extensions, but I think it's, it's very unlikely that these extensions could go on indefinitely. I think there are, there are two principal reasons for this. The first is that the value of Theresa May's deal diminishes in value over time. So I say that because it is only an exit deal, and, and by that I mean it prescribes the orderly and agreed manner by which the UK could withdraw from the EU. It does not determine what the future relationship will be that replaces the UK's current EU membership. That needs to be negotiated if and when the UK actually leaves. And as listeners will remember, the withdrawal agreement resolves divorce issues, such as the financial obligations of the UK, uh, and tying up processes that are ongoing at the point when Brexit actually happens. It also provides for a transitional period, which was introduced to provide certainty for businesses during the gap between the end of the UK's EU membership and the entry into uh, the new relationship. But here's the key, the key point. The transitional period has a fixed end date, the 31st of December 2020, or the 31st of December 2022, if the option for a two-year fixed extension of that transitional period is taken up. That means that any delay to the UK actually leaving the EU, such as we've just seen, uh, and maybe even further extensions, will eat into the time that has been planned for negotiating the future relationship. And what comes if we reach the end of the transitional period without entering into a future relationship the answer is the dreaded backstop, which, as we all know, no one wants to come into force. It would, of course, be possible to adjust the transitional period to account for the UK's delayed withdrawal. I don't think it's as easy as it might first appear. That would involve reopening the withdrawal agreement for a start, which, as we know, the EU has said it won't do. But perhaps more fundamentally, the original end date of the transitional period was intended to coincide with the EU current budget period, which ends at the end of 2020. So the EU might well argue that the current transitional period is therefore tied to the 39 billion the UK would owe the EU under the withdrawal agreement, and therefore any additional extension to that period will come with additional cost. That means that Delay in the UK leaving the EU via repeated extensions increases the chance if we were to enter into the withdrawal agreement at some point uh, that the backstop would come into effect. And some might think that that decreases the value of the withdrawal agreement because you lose the benefit of the transitional period. And therefore, unless you can uh, convince the EU to change its mind about negotiating the future relationship during the period of the UK's membership, that would also 
possibly increase the chances of a no-deal withdrawal in the longer term rather than endless extensions. Uh, my second reason is that repeated delay will require the EU and the UK to repeatedly face up to certain milestones uh, that in order to get over, they would have to re-sanction this period of limbo that we're currently in. So uh, the European elections is an example of this, and perhaps they will come and go without much issue. But when it comes to the money, will the EU be able to justify to itself that the UK should take full part in negotiations of the next budget due to commence in April next year? And, and also, will the UK be able to justify to the British people that it keeps contributing to the EU budget while in this Brexit limbo. What that means is that the UK and the EU will have to keep coming back to revise the end of the extension and in do so face up to the consequences of this for the administration of the EU and the UK government. Okay, um, thank you. Final question, Andrew. Um, one thing that this um, Brexit conundrum often comes back to is the notion of a people's vote, whether that's giving people a, a, a say for a general election or whether it's an opportunity to qualify the type of Brexit they want or indeed whether they do still want Brexit, uh, which of course could lead to revocation of Article 50. I'd just be quite interested to hear your views based on where we are now as to the likelihood of this ultimately going back to the people. I think given where we are, it must be the case that the likelihood of previously written off processes for resolving the deadlock must have increased. The legal minimum for holding a general election is five weeks from the date it's called. So there's plenty of time for a general election between now and the end of October. The likely hurdle will be the Fixed Term Parliaments Act, which requires either a two-thirds majority in the House of Commons for a general election or a vote of no confidence in the government followed by two weeks in which no other government can be formed. Given the current political volatility, neither of these could be ruled out. For a second referendum, Parliament needs to pass an Act of Parliament prescribing the process by which a second referendum would be conducted, including the tricky matter of what the question and the options on the ballot paper should be. Such an Act of Parliament could, and I stress could, be passed relatively quickly, and a short campaign period could be held before the end of October. However, this, this does seem unlikely. The last Referendum Act uh, took seven months to get through Parliament, and if there was to be a second referendum, it's likely that this Act would be more controversial than the last. Although things could change, there does not currently appear to be a majority in the House of Commons for a second referendum, suggesting that getting one organised in time seems like a long shot. However, it's not inconceivable that the UK government, perhaps following a change of heart or leadership, could request a further extension to Article 50 in October in order to allow itself time to hold a second referendum. Finally, on, on revocation, this is procedurally very simple from the EU's perspective. The UK simply has to ask to revoke in a way that is consistent with its own constitutional requirements. The question then follows, what are the UK's requisite constitutional requirements? And I think we're in unprecedented territory here, so no one really knows for sure. But there is a strong argument that without at least an act of parliament empowering the government to do so, any attempt to revoke Article 50 could be liable to challenge in the courts. Therefore, the most constitutionally robust way to revoke Article 50 
would be to do so after passing an act of parliament or perhaps even a further endorsement from the people via a referendum. So all of this, what does all of this mean for business? Well, a continued heightened period of uncertainty about the shape and timing of what Brexit is in the short and possibly even medium term. Andrew, as ever, many thanks indeed.